the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 6 through 12 of The Dragon Reborn, which is a hard title to say because I've been saying The Dragon Reread for like 50 episodes. <laughs> you're, doing so, you're doing so well so far. <laughs> yeah. I just love that people finally know where the name of our podcast comes from. Right. Yeah, like, oh. like 20 episodes in or something, right? <laughs> Uh, previously, the White Cloaks were acting super shady. Uh, we get a whole lot of recap, as Jordan likes to do at the beginning of his novels. Uh, but the Trollocs show up and they gate crash at the dragon party. Uh, Perrin doesn't want to give in to his wolf powers, then totally gives in to his wolf powers immediately. <laughs> and uh, Rand discovers that being dragon, uh, the dragon reborn is like way harder than he thought it was going to be, you know? Thought it was going to be sunshine and rainbows, but so far he just can't. Mostly it's earthquakes and fire, I guess. (laughs) It's been the worst two weeks of his life. (laughs) Yeah, not great. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, not a whole lot happened. Yeah, there there really wasn't. Well, yeah, the last, it was, um, it was recap stuff mostly. Well, not a whole lot of progress. Yeah. Uh, but stuff does kind of start to happen in chapter six. The hunt begins, uh, with the icon of the wheel of time. And my first response was, didn't we just read a whole book about the Great Hunt? That's exactly what I was going to say. This is this is super late. The hunt begins <laughs> after the book where the hunt happens. <laughs> sure does. Yeah. Uh, but no, it kind of makes sense because Perrin is sleeping there and uh, Lan wakes him up because Rand has disappeared. Oh, man. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's gone AWOL again. Did, did this already happen? Did we already lose Rand once? Yeah. Did we? That's what, remember during the Great Hunt, he like vanished from their hunting party? Well, yeah, but he didn't do that on purpose. He just... It's true. Trans- well, we don't know that he didn't do it on purpose. We, didn't, we, didn't, we don't know that he didn't do it on purpose. Right? Uh-huh. Well, it's true, yeah. Well, yeah. So, from Perrin's perspective, oh, Rand disappeared again. Yeah. <laughs> because he's crazy weapon of mass destruction. It's getting kind of culty in the dragon camp, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. Perrin talks to Masima, and, and Masima's like, it's crazy. He's like, why would the Lord Dragon abandon us? And then Perrin kind of has to, like, handle him a little gently. He's like, um, I'm sure the Lord Dragon has a plan for us all or something. It's really interesting to see that how Robert Jordan handles fanaticism, I feel mm-hmm. like. Because even with the White Cloaks, they're not all fanatics. Some of them are, it seems like. And then other ones of them are fairly reasonable for White Cloaks. And then you have this Masima? Masima? Mm, what do you think? Masima, maybe? I think Masima. I would say Masima. Masima. But anyway, he's like totally drinking the, the Rand Dragon Kool-Aid here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they, that's interesting. He's fanatic for, I guess, the good guys. Like, on, he's on our side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, he definitely views Rand as, as like an, uh, I, I don't know, idol? I don't know. He, he worships him, for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't see, I don't, it, it doesn't seem like a good guy, though. It seems very... I don't know. It's 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 kind of creepy the way Masima treats him. I think. Like I said, culty. Culty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. That's that is unusual because this doesn't strike. This does not read as a good thing, right? This reads yeah. as a bad thing. This fanaticism, but it's mm-hmm. you know. So the the dragon is not necessarily like a good guy, a messiah that's going to come and save everybody. The dragon. Right. All the prophecies say the dragon screws everything up. He, mm-hmm. he breaks all bonds and kills everybody, and then, but you know it's good or something. Yeah. Well, he, he, even the, the the false dragons have no trouble gathering followers, so mm-hmm. there must be some positive things attached to it. I mean, maybe I, I guess if you're downtrodden or or you you aren't super happy with your lot in life, 
the idea of bonds being turned over and you know mm-hmm. all that uh, the, the 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 way of of life being overturned is not such a bad thing. I think this has been true more or less throughout history in the real world that there have been these periodic populist movements led by charismatic leaders uh, that just sort of a bunch of uh, well, it's it, it's not really the same as the the current populist the current movement. populist movement uh, <laughs> because. It would be a bunch of people who are just peasants, who have no rights and no property or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then somebody shows up and says, we're going to just change everything. Put me in charge. Yeah. And they become a big mass of people and, and group up. And that uh, that happens a lot, right, through many different periods of history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just it sort of is a function of the fact that most people have awful lives. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't call Rand particularly charismatic, but I guess he does have that whole being the dragon thing going for him. Right, yeah. So... Tavarin. Tavarin. Yeah, Tavarin. <laughs> yeah. No, I think of him as more kind of like a, from a boy band, you know, he's like the emo moody one, except they're all the emo moody ones, come to think of it. <laughs> Especially now. I mean, Perrin was less emo and moody, but he's getting more emo and moody now. Yeah. Well, he, I could he's totally... slower. It takes him longer <laughs> That's right. time. He's not dumb. He's not stupid. <laughs> Dude, they could totally be a boy band. So oh, Rand yeah. is like the main guy. Matt mm-hmm. is the like cute, jokey one. Mm-hmm. Lan is the old guy where you're like, you obviously should not be in a boy band. You're like in your 30s. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, usually. Yeah. yeah, there's the guy who's way too old. <laughs> trying about, to act like he's younger. What about Huron? Oh, man. Huron could be in there, too. Huron's the like guy in the back playing the tambourine. <laughs> he's the one with the musical talent. Yeah. The studio musician they send out to actually do stuff. Right, yeah. right. He's in, you're going to stand like right back here. No, no. Behind him. Yeah. Yeah. See me? It's fine. It's fine. Perrin's the big, dumb, but hot one. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. He's got those arms that are twice as thick as a normal man's arms or whatever. <laughs> yeah. His uh, wolfish powers. Yeah. His piercing yellow eyes. Right. Uh, speaking of which, so Perrin goes... And joins up with basically the rest of the people that we know. Right. Uh, and their Moraine is angry because Rand has just left. He pissed off. And he left a note. Yeah. And the note basically is crazy talk. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> He's definitely not going crazy. No, no. <laughs> yeah. But nobody knows where he went because he just vanished, which I guess you can do if you're a magic-powered messiah. Mm-hmm. Well, she's concerned at first that, that um, he might have, <laughs> she says, learned to fly or turned invisible because, you know... <laughs> I guess he's kind of unpredictable at this point, right? Yeah, that, that could have happened. That's, right? a, yeah. that's the thing that they used to do, but, you know, I guess he could do it now. Yeah. Can I complain about Loyal for a second? Of course. Sure. Okay, so previously, Loyal's thing was he would just, he was Hodor, except he'd say Tavarin, right? <laughs> yeah, at right, periodic right. points throughout the story. Tavarin. In this, at least in the chapters we've been reading now, his entire thing is um, talking about not angering Aes Sedai. Like, that's all he says. Never anger an Aes Sedai. Better to embrace the sun than anger an Aes Sedai. He keeps saying things like that yeah, over he, he and over again. several stock phrases about not pissing off the Aes Sedai. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is weird because he's from the Steading. So, I mean, I know he has got has a lot of, like, old knowledge, but, like, the Aes Sedai aren't exactly a concern in the Steading. Right. They well, can't channel. Maybe it's because they never meet an Aes Sedai. They've got this built up kind of fear of them maybe it's also important to remember that that ogier are all super old so they're that knowledge may be based on times before the steading remember there was the whole time when they were wandering around a lot of people i think they, a lot of them hang, hung out with Aes Sedai at that time didn't they Was that yeah that's true yeah, yeah. They, they worked to build tarvalon and everything yeah, yeah even though loyal himself is not quite old enough because what he's 90 something like that well, okay look at it this way the I've said before that like that some of these Aes Sedai are like weapons of mass destruction, right? They're incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. And to an Ogier, these people are all these like fireflies. You know, they 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 live tiny lives, and the things they do don't make any sense. And they're 
incredibly agitated and they make big mistakes all the time. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, toddlers or something with weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> and even though they rarely use the weapons of mass destruction, they, they're very scary, right? Mm-hmm. If, if there's this whole race of toddlers that's running around <laughs> screaming and occasionally blows up the world. Wait, is it people that are toddlers or Aes Sedai specifically? That to toddlers? the Ogier People, humans, are okay. toddlers, is what I'm saying. Because I said I, I live for a really long time. Well, we, don't we don't know how long. We don't know That's specifically, yeah. We, we know that they are ageless, but we don't actually know how sure. long they live. But we know it's definitely longer than the average person. Do we? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Them and their warders. Yeah, they've said that. So, uh, in this conversation, Moraine is sort of bossing everybody around and being mad that Rand pissed off again. Although, what did she think was going to happen? Yeah. She's, she's kind of unusually candid in this conversation, too. Yeah. I, I noticed that, she's pissed. that Perrin, like, stands up to her. Yeah. He's like, what are you doing? You, you're treating us all like children, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That's why Loyal keeps saying, it's better to stick your face in a beehive than anger at <laughs> I forgot what he said. It's something like that. <laughs> better to stick your dick in a, in rabbit, in a, a rabbit hole dog. full of ants. Oh. <laughs> 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 Drizzled in honey. Like we say in the setting. There's <laughs> an old wisdom passed down for the age of legends. <laughs> but Maureen says the reason she's mad is because the Forsaken are loose, which freaks everybody out. Mm-hmm. They they think of the Forsaken as these fairy stories, right? Or ghost stories, right? Which is fucked up. Parents talking about the shit his mother had frightened him with those names when he was little. <laughs> Ishmael comes for boys who do not tell their mothers the truth. Lanfair waits in the night for boys who do not go to bed when they are supposed to. Like, come on. I'm a mom. I would not say that to my kids. Really? You would say that? Satan's going to come for you if you don't brush your teeth. Ted Cruz will come get you if you don't, you know, put your, keep your arms inside the bus or whatever. Ted Cruz will snatch it off. You're such a good father. Ted Cruz is a Zodiac killer. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. In this age, as an all ages. Yeah. <laughs> age past an age to come. <laughs> there's always been a Zodiac killer and there's always been a Ted Cruz. I, I do like the idea that each of the Forsaken has a special narrow duty in taking care of children. Right? <laughs> you right, you, I you mean, don't swim in rushing water or Agonor will drown you. <laughs> it's really, I mean, like, it's cool because you know they're probably busy with all their Forsaken duties, but they make time to come and, like, harass yeah. children. Well, it's good that they give back. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're participating in the community. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to say they aren't engaged. <laughs> but uh, finally, Perrin actually tells Moraine about his dreams. Because in this big argument, he mentions that he's been having bad dreams. And uh, he, he mentions the sword dream. Mm-hmm. And she knows what that is. She knows that that is Kalendor, the sword that cannot be touched. The sword that is not a sword. The These... sword that's on the front cover of our book, right? Yes, the <laughs> sword that is on the cover of this book. Yeah. <laughs> As Maureen says. <laughs> Briefly breaking the fourth wall. And can I just say, we had the best simile in all of Robert Jordan's books ever. <laughs> Her gaze seized him like smithy tongs, willing him to speak. That's great. I well, love that. He would understand cool. that being a blacksmith. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so was he thinking that? Like, is that the the simile he came up with? Oh, she's gazing be, right? at me like smithy tongs. <laughs> this is a parent's perspective. Yeah. What's the closest thing his mind knows to a gaze this bracing? <laughs> smithy tongs. Smithy tongs. <laughs> it turns out that uh, the Dragon Reborn holding Kalendor, the sword that cannot be touched, is a prophecy. And it, uh, It's interesting because in, I, I believe in Perrin's dream, 
he like he 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 could reach for it, but it was like he he hit an invisible barrier. Yeah. So that's the thing about the sword that cannot be touched. <laughs> you can't touch I can't it. Touch it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't understand. Jeff. Could you please explain? It? I the the book will get into this. Okay, <laughs> we have more time to discuss it. <laughs> it can't be touched. And then we have another great one. Perhaps the word floated from the Isidai's lips like a shard of ice on still water. Man, Robert Jordan is stepping up oh, his yeah. literary this devices game, game. Yeah. Yeah, I I liked this depiction of Moraine. Actually, she's she's been in and out of the story and kind of inconsequential for a long time. But mm-hmm. when when she's in this mode, she's kind of like this stop at nothing person, right? She's, she's a force of will. It's cool. I also found it very satisfying that she got them to she got Perrin to actually reveal his dream because I feel like we've seen again and again and again through the books of people lying about these dreams that they're having. Yeah. They're right? clearly important information that everyone should be, you know, discussing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At, at first it made sense because they're like pretending it didn't happen. Oh, it's just a dream. But at this point it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I did like Moraine's cool list of other prophecies, which we don't know what they mean yet. Like yeah. what? We were, she was talking about... She was listing a bunch of things. Like, well, you know, this thing... Where was that? Neither the first nor the last, Moraine said, Kalendor will be but one fulfillment of the Carathian cycle, as his birth on the slopes of Dragon Mount was the first. He has yet to break the nations or shatter the world. Even scholars who have studied the prophecies for their entire lives do not know how to interpret them. What does it mean that he shall slay his people with the sword of peace and destroy them with the leaf? Weed. <laughs> Probably weed. <laughs> what Marijuana it... ruins lives. <laughs> what does it... Oh, there's a typo. What does it meant that he shall bind the nine moons to serve him? Yet these are given equal weight with calendar in the cycle. There are others. What wounds of madness and cutting of hope has he healed? What chains has he broken and who put into ch- and who put into chains? And some are so obscure that he may have already fulfilled them, although I am not aware of it. But no, calendar is far from the end of it. Hmm. So the idea is that there's all these prophecies and that yeah. some of them are really uh, kind of, I guess, abstract and obtuse. Yeah. Can I go back to the thing when um, when they when Moraine's like, well, I don't know, maybe he's flew away or made himself invisible. Mm-hmm. It actually says at least he has not rediscovered how to fly or make himself invisible. Mm-hmm. So in his previous lives as Luz Theron, did he was he able to I think fly? I think it's more reference to the fact that in the Age of Legends, we know that the Aes Sedai were do, able to do all kinds of unusual things like fly, turn invisible, yeah, probably they could, right? Yeah. I mean, like, we, we know that they have, like, a catalog of Aes Sedai powers that don't exist anymore. Yeah, but this is for Rand. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Luz Theron. Yeah. yeah. Who was an Aes Sedai? Wait, really? Yeah, the Aes Sedai were men and women in the Age of Legends. Yeah, Luz Theron was before, well... <laughs> he was, like, the leader of He was at the breaking Sedai. of the world, actually. But he was before the... He was alive before and only slightly after the uh, corruption of the... Right. Side, yeah. Oh, side I didn't realize he was actually an Aes Sedai, though. Oh, yeah. So interesting. The, the dragon's fang, which is the opposite of the yeah. thing, that's the symbol of the Aes Sedai. Is both of them together as men and women. Oh. And the reason they do them separately now is because all the men are bad, mm-hmm. and so now it's just the flame, which is just half the symbol. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Used to be all all one power users were Aes Sedai, mm-hmm. both male and female. Semiotics. That was a long time ago, though. What was it like a thousand? I, I always have I trouble saying like three thousand. A long, long time. Yeah. So I I also noted uh, my favorite character Uno mm-hmm. when she asked everybody, "Do you did you have a dream about a sword?" Uno's like, "I dream about swords all the time." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, yeah, yeah obviously, I mean, yeah, yeah, of course you do." <laughs> so, yeah. That's my favorite dream, <laughs> my sword dreams. <laughs> so Rand is going after Kalendor, the 
the, he's going to try and either fulfill that prophecy or die trying to prove that he's the dragon knight or something like that. Well, he, he I, th- I guess at this point he figures that due to all the deaths that just happened in this this previous attack, that he's a, a risk to everyone around him. So he's like, let's just get this shit going, you know? Yeah. So he's going after the, yeah, he's going to get the sword and go kill Balzaman. I guess that's his plan. <laughs> And Moraine is sending people off on their way, and Min has to go back to Tarvalon, even though she really, really wants to follow Rand. <laughs> she does. That's yeah. her favorite thing. And Moraine is, like, sympathetic. Like, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but Gotta do... hop on that dragon, D. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dragon train? Yeah, the, the, the sword that you can probably touch if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> But before they part, uh, Min does actually do a little bit of a prophesizing for uh, Perrin as well, which is kind of yeah, kind of fun. Finally, I always like her little her little references because you know some of them you can understand, some you can't. They're always interesting, like puzzles. Mm, yeah. yeah, it's cool stuff. Little hints that Darby Jordan gives us. Yeah, uh, an Isleman in a cage. She said promptly, a tuoth tuothan tuothan tuothan. That's the tinkers, right? Yeah, yeah the, the tuothan. The travelers, the journeys. Yeah, uh, a tuothan with a sword, a falcon, and a hawk perched. Perching on your shoulders, both female, I think, and all the rest, of course. There's all what's always there: darkness swirling around you, and okay, none of that. That's enough. it's like all right, all right, all right. time out. Okay. Yeah, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah, death, death, death. Yes, well, yeah. death and wolves. Right. And it's interesting because she says that those appeared only after he said that he was going to go. Um, wait, shit, where is he going? He's going to go after Rand. Okay. Because oh yeah, they had a, they Maureen came up with a plan. Min goes back to Tarvalon. Our named main characters go after Rand, and all the Shinarans just uh, hang out in Gaeldun. Yeah. And meanwhile, Loyal says to anger an Aes Sedai is to put your head in a hornet's nest. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a million of them. Yeah. One of his books that he's always reading is just <laughs> saying about why you, not to anger an Aes Sedai. You might have angered an Aes Sedai if... <laughs> that was the Jeff Foxworthy impression in case you could We got tell. it, yeah. Thanks. We understand. Right. And we had this super, super awkward thing where uh, Min, she tells... Parent what she sees, and then she says, one more thing, if you meet a woman, the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, run. And then Parent did not like jumping to conclusions. It was one of the reasons some people thought him slow-witted, but he totaled up a number of things men had said in the last few days and came <laughs> up to a startling conclusion. Uh, Min, you know I like you. I like you, but uh, uh, you sort of remind me of my sisters. I mean you. And then, <laughs> well, Parent, you must know I love you. And then, of course, she says like a brother so yeah, that was super awkward such an awkward conversation i know i wrote yeah. her derp derp next to it. <laughs> it was pretty like i uh you know i mean like you're cool and all but you know no no me too yeah totally uh yeah i mean you're fine it's but i mean like not like not like that you know yeah yeah i mean to be fair they are teenagers so that is a <laughs> that's yeah. true i okay yeah he jumped to the wrong conclusion of course uh but he handled it, I thought, with directness. And yeah, grace. sure, sure. I appreciate that. You know, okay. He, but he he friend zoned her. So, mm-hmm. my number one takeaway: Did you know that Perrin had sisters? No, we know nothing about Perrin. Yeah, apparently really he has weird. sisters. Yeah, oh. we don't oh, even know his parents. Yeah. No, we don't. Yeah, which bugged me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the that's the funny thing about Perrin is he was a apprentice, so he was staying with the blacksmiths, the Luhans. Right. Yeah. So he's got a family out there. We just never have seen them. Yeah, and apparently he has sisters. This is the first I've heard of it, but mm-hmm. apparently he has sisters. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he loves them like he loves men. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, like, really burly sisters, I imagine. <laughs> right, with arms as twice the thick of another woman's arms. Right, right. exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, that... But then, of course, Perrin figures out that Min is in love with Rand, which I think is a very, very perceptive of him because there is no reason for her to be in love with Rand at all. Right. She's met him, like, twice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's almost like it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it's really dumb that all these ladies are in love with Rand for yeah. some reason. But this is, yeah, I guess it's just the teenage drama element. Tavarin. What's going on here. Yeah. Tavarin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't see why Min is going back to Tarvalon since she explicitly said she doesn't want to. Because she has to carry a message from Moraine, and she can it, get another. Message. Anyone can do that. Yeah. It has to be a woman, though. I. That sounds like BS to me. No, I mean Tarvalon is full of women. It'd be. I think men would stand out a lot more if she's trying to get it under the DL. You know. I guess that's true. It's got to be in the DL because if if she sent somebody to say this is a message from Moraine, that's they couldn't just say that because she's. Persona non grata or whatever. Right, right. And yeah. I guess and I guess Min is an, an already a known presence in Tarbalon who probably the Amarlin seat already consulted with consulted with. So but didn't we just spend like three chapters talking about how Moraine has this network of women passing information around? Yeah, but Min is bit has was living in Tarvalon and the Amarlin is already familiar with her, so it wouldn't be unusual for Min to go visit. And if yeah. somebody tries to get in her way, she can be like, You're gonna die in three weeks <laughs> <laughs> And then when they freak out she <laughs> <laughs> And she'll probably be right. <laughs> yeah. So, that's the end of that chapter. Chapter 7. The Way Out of the Mountains. A picture of the Flame of Tarvalon. So, it, it turns out that Rand just went through a, a gap out in the back of this valley. Yeah, that, super not magic-y. <laughs> yeah, no, no magic at all. That just opened up in the recent earthquake that Rand uh, caused. Whoops. And so, there's a, a pretty nice tracking journey down, the, down out of the mountains. Where Lan is doing the tracking and they're all sort of riding along and it's it's nice countryside. Yeah. Moraine makes me really unhappy though. She's awful in this. Yeah. Yes, she has this whole manipulation thing she's doing to Perrin where she like carefully makes him do all the chores for her in this very manipulative way. Well, it wasn't even even that. I mean, that's a little obnoxious. But I'm talking more about how she's kind of torturing Lan. Yeah, with the whole my Ralph mm. thing. Yeah, saying she's gonna sell him off, you know, down the river to right. another Aes Sedai. That's saying that we know he's like super not on board with you. Like, you better watch out or I'm gonna go... You know, <laughs> fuck you off or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Pass you to your next slave master. She says, if you cannot move any faster than this, perhaps I should send you off to Morel before you get any older. Well, perhaps that can wait, but you should move us faster. Uh, there was something of a threat in it, maybe even a warning. Yeah, I mean, being that's like not cool. Yeah, super dickish. Yeah, this yeah. guy like has devoted his entire life to her, and she's threatening him for being too careful. Yeah, th- does she think he needs more motivation? Is he sandbagging it? There's no indication that that's true, right? Uh, not that I can tell. No reason for him to do that. He's been nothing but Johnny on the spot for Moraine for this entire series. Yeah. I Maybe mean, she's feeling like she's losing power and she's like just kind of acting out. I don't know. That seems like unlike her, but I can't, I can't think of any other reason she would do that. Maybe naive. I mean, that's the only thing I can think is this is the first time his loyalty has wavered even in the slightest because of her, but that's not what we get indicated from any of what we've been reading mm. in this It does come a, so a little far. bit out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. But and then, to me, it's of a piece with this, the mind games she's playing with Perrin. Yeah. Like trying to make him into her servant and, and like beat him back down from the, the peer status that he seems to have achieved with her. Yeah. By like, ugh, the first thing she does is cheat at fishing. <laughs> I know. She, so she clearly uses her magic to like show, and she could be doing this like all along, right? Right. Yeah. Like they're yeah. She uses her magic to they're they're like tickle fishing, right? They're they're grabbing catfish out of the Which river. Sounds... 
ridiculous to me. <laughs> but yeah, sure. They were off behind <laughs> behind the reeds, tickle fishing each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I took you for a pair of common street screws. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but then she goes and pretends she's doing it and clearly uses the one power to like succeed at it just to make him look bad and feel bad or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, she could be doing this. She could be feeding them. Because mm-hmm. that's how In Robert fact, Jordan thinks of women. They're like so much more clever and everything. I but guess. this is not even just like a cleverness thing. This is just like, I can, like, just, so, oh, this is the thing you think you're good at? Well, let me show you how much better I yeah. am at it. And like, practically speaking, why doesn't she just do this? Every night, yeah. right? It takes her two minutes, and she could feed everybody, right? Yeah. In fact, she doesn't. They even can see need more to do... time traveling if she cares about traveling so she much. She probably doesn't even need, need to do that. She could probably just like use the one power to plop them out of the water, right? I mean, she doesn't even have to actually fish for them. I, I assume that's what she was doing. Yeah, and she right. was just BSing them, like pretending to actually fish. Yeah. Maybe it just takes up too much energy for her to do it all the time. Maybe that's it. Trying yeah. to come up with an excuse. It's weird. And yeah. mean. I really don't like it. I don't like the idea that she's like, I need to get this guy back under control. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it fits with Maureen's character. Because she's driven. She's sure. driven and, like, icy. And she's, she's like, she's a puppet master. Like, the, 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 the reason all of this works is because she's out there pushing and prodding and making things go the way that she wants them to go, right? Yeah. Except sometimes they don't go the way she wants them to go. And that's how it's supposed to happen anyway. That's That's a good point. So, that's, yeah. Anyway, this whole chapter is them traveling. A bunch of uh, actually pretty nice descriptions of the way the mountains are. And and lands like super... Amazing cloak. Oh, I was going to say super overly complicated version of MapQuest where he's like, oh, and then this like <laughs> this like true. stick with a piece of grass tied to but it. A means... knot tape tied one way means bare left and knot tied the other way means bare right. <laughs> it seems super complicated. That's unnecessary. Uh, yeah. I think it's also worth noting that this, they're actually traveling um, familiar territory kind of, right? I mean, if you look at the map, they are just a stone's throw away from Emmons Field right now. I think they're on the south side of the, what's it called? The White River? The uh, the, yes. white, the White Water or something? Yeah, uh, the white, yeah, I think it's the White River or the, or white, the white Water. Run. The White Run. Yeah, that river, they're, they're just south of it for sure. So that's the boundary that is really hard to get over at the south of Emmons Field. And I believe the Mountains of Mist that they're passing through are the place that nobody goes from Emmons Field, right? Yeah, yeah the place where they like would... Go into and climb around. Yeah, it was when like they a were big kids. Deal. Yeah. And meanwhile, the wolves are escorting and protecting yeah. them the entire time, and parents nice. being a dick about it. Yeah, parents being a real them. dick. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to talk to you. I can't wait to get back in the city. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Chapter eight, Jara, with a icon of a wolf. Speak up. I guess wolf things are going to happen. I guess mm-hmm. so. So they go to an inn in the town of Jara. Uh, the inn is Harolin's Leap. Uh, Robert Jordan is really good at. Battle scenes and inn names. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Every inn does have a distinctive and interesting name. Yeah. And uh, and he describes a little placard for it, too. Yeah, it's like a guy with one, on one foot, like with his arms in the air, like doing something crazy. Yeah. I love, too, that I'm at the point every time he introduces a new inn, I immediately like scan to see if the innkeeper is dirty or clean. That's how you know if it's going to be a good experience or a bad experience. Yeah, if it's dirty, he's a dark friend that will try and kill you tonight. <laughs> exactly. Well, or if the innkeeper's fat, which he, I noticed he didn't mention specifically that the innkeeper was fat, but he did mention that he had a pristine white apron so yes. probably okay so we're okay probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> which Oof. you know, think it'd be the opposite because the one with the dirty apron is the one doing the cleaning right right he's like a hard-working innkeeper but no mm. so there's, there's been crazy stuff going on in this village yeah like they, what is it like weddings a plague weddings. of weddings yeah. yeah everybody getting married like even people that swore they would never get married like old widows and stuff 
Even uh, Widow Jorth dragged old Bannis through the arches. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's just exhausted from, like, nonstop <laughs> wedding for the past, like, two weeks. <laughs> right. Nonstop weddings, nonstop fucking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then they, the, the White Cloaks apparently went crazy. A whole group of White Cloaks came in and... And they all gave up and rode off in different directions, doing different things. I just assume that's like normal white cloak behavior. I mean, that's crazy anyway, right? As soon as they get across the border. Like, like what, they start trying to, like, set things on fire. They're, they're just, like, up to... Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, kind of crazy. Some rode off to join the dragon. Yeah. Aaron and, is doing a terrible job being on, on the DL here. Yeah, no joke. He's, yeah. He even tries to ask him about Rand once, and, and Land is like, no, don't. Yeah. And later he's and like, he keeps, yeah. <laughs> later he totally just asks the guy about it. Yeah. Uh, and Rand was there acting super crazy. Oh, and also you'll notice uh, that we're, because we're close to Emmonsville, we're back to the place where people think that uh, Trollux and Ogier are like. Children's tales. They don't, yeah. they don't believe in them. Yeah, they're shocked to see Loyal, who's there with them, and uh, they're they're talking to Simeon, who's like in, in hand. It's not. It's unclear what he does, but he works there. Yeah. And uh, Just it, a guy. after Perrin asks him about Rand, he asks Moraine to help his sick brother Noam, because he actually has traveled a bit and he recognizes Moraine for what she is, which I guess is really rare that somebody who can do that, mm-hmm. especially in this area, because again, yeah. this is this is like the backwoods. Mm-hmm. Far away from everything interesting. And this is a this is really sad. Uh, Perrin, Perrin and Moraine and and this guy Simeon go to meet his brother who's locked in the stable, and he's he's like Perrin. He's a wolf brother. It's heartbreaking though. Yeah, but he's like he's lost his mind. He's 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 wolf crazy. Yeah. yeah. So so I mean before this. I thought that Perrin was being a little bit ridiculous about his whole, like, I don't want to talk to the wolves thing. Mm-hmm. But I guess this this is sort of justification. Though, I do not believe Perrin knew this was a, a possible outcome until this moment. Because mm-hmm. the only other wolf person he's known was uh, Elias. Elias. Elias, who was fine. You know? I think he's been worried about it, though. Because whenever he is talking about, oh, I don't want to be like a wolf, he's the fear is always of losing his humanity. So I think he is aware that this is what can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He still intends to go back to his old life in yeah. Edmund's field. Well, you know, if he wasn't if he wasn't anti-wolf before, he's definitely going to be anti-wolf now. Yeah. Because yeah. this guy's like, yeah, he's, having a hard time. Yeah, he's lost his mind. And Moraine can't help this guy because he's, he's just got wolf brain now. Yeah, he's the brain of a wolf and the body enough. of a man. Right. Oh, I do want to mention one thing. This is going back a little bit. But when, uh, when Perrin first approaches Landon Moraine... There's this really kind of weird exchange where uh, parents like, oh, he knows you're nice to die. And Land looks at Moraine and it's clearly like, you want me to kill this guy? Oh, yeah. yeah. No? Are you sure? I'll, I'll just kill him right now. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And she like tells him no. And then he he like he looks like that's the bad decision. Yeah. <laughs> you really should kill this guy. <laughs> like he's clearly just about to go kill Simeon just, just because, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Land caught Moraine's eye. And for a moment, they stared at one another. The warrior had the air of him. Of a wolf about to leap. Finally, Moraine shook her head. No. As you wish, it's your decision. Land sounded as if he thought she had made the wrong one, but the tension left him. Yep. <laughs> All right, if you yep. let me go kill this guy. That, yeah, that was like whether Simeon dies right there, right? That, yeah. was the, that was that exchange. And then she says, he'll not die by my actions, but I can and will not promise that will always be so. So <laughs> she might come back and be murder face later it's, on. It's very unreassuring. Yeah. yeah. So Moraine can't help the brother. And uh, eventually Perrin just sets him free out into the wilderness because the brother's like gnawing at the, the wood and like clawing at, at the, his cage and snapping at people. Apparently he's been biting people. Yeah. so sad. 
Yeah, it's really sad. But and the the only thing you can do is let him go run out in the wilderness. But he's probably yeah. gonna die anyway. But at least yeah. he'll die free. Yeah, but I, I thought this was really sweet with the the his brother. Right? I, yeah. I actually, from the way it read, I thought this guy was gonna be a, a villain. Me too. This guy oh, Simeon. Totally. Uh, but it, but he's just what's the word? He's compassionate, right? Yeah. He's just looking out for his brother, and then he. Uh, he sees, he of course puts two and two together that Perrin with the yellow eyes has, is the same as his brother with the yellow eyes and, and says, well, it looks like, you know, you're doing okay, so good for you. Yeah. And you got to I, the Aes Sedai first, or in time. There's also a really interesting exchange right at the end where, um, with the Simeon says, one of the names the White Cloaks had was a fellow named Perrin Ibarra, a blacksmith. They said he has yellow eyes and runs with wolves, just like, no, I'm, so, um... Perrin turned his head enough to look at Simeon and said, Do you think Perrin Ibarra is a dark friend? And he said, A dark friend wouldn't care if my brother died in a cage. I suppose she found you soon after it happened. And So basically saying, like, you must not be a dark... You know, it's just kind of siding with him because of the compassion that Perrin showed. So yeah. that was really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perrin goes back to his room and goes to sleep. Chapter 9. Wolf Dreams. The icon of the dragon's fang. So Perrin is worried about ending up like Noam. Uh... And of course he is. That was pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a pretty scary situation, knowing that that could be him. Yeah. yeah. And he talks to Moraine about it, and Moraine actually has a little bit of info, um, which she says basically, well, maybe you will end up like that. <laughs> when you say a little bit of info, you mean like very little. <laughs> I thought this whole exchange was really frustrating because she's like, what do you want to know? And he's like, oh, anything. She's like, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, all she has is like a scrap from... It's, it's, it's lucky that she has this scrap, because apparently when this was written in the Age of Legends, it was even a myth then. They didn't know it was real. Well, they say it's even older than the Age of Legends. Yeah, right? Yeah. So this thing was written in the Age of Legends about something even older. Yeah. Yeah, I believe uh, it was in the first book when when it first ha- or when Elias is, maybe when Elias is talking about it, he says that the wolves basically say it's been since before mankind was civilized, essentially, because men used to run with the wolves, mm-hmm. and so it's like mm-hmm. a remnant of that or something. Yeah. It really makes me think of mental illness oh, yeah. and it getting worse. It t- he says, you know, would I rather forget I'm a man? Like, it seems like it's something that he's struggling to deal with and it can get so bad that he just loses his mind. Mm. Yeah. Yep. It's the way it feels to me. Yeah, maybe that maybe that happened. Maybe, maybe Noam couldn't deal with it because he didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But uh, she also says that wolves exist partly in the dream world. It's interesting. And, huh? and Perrin's like, a dream world? And she's like, yeah, a dream world. <laughs> no, a world of dreams. You've been there. We've yeah. been there. Come I mean, on. You've been there like every night for the last two years or whatever, right, Perrin? <laughs> yeah, this is the, the very of your disbelief right now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, when she said that, I was like, this wolf stuff is getting better and better and better. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You travel around in the dream world, like a whole other world of adventures while you're sleeping. Like, come on, dude. Just like, just, you know, just roll with it, right? <laughs> yeah. And he runs into his uh, dead wolf friend, Hopper. Yeah, he has, in his, in his yeah. we, we had a lot of spooky ran dreams before, now we're having spooky parent Yeah, dreams. when he actually goes to sleep. This is super weird, but interesting. Yeah, this this whole thing is interesting. So he's in a... He's in a hell hallway, which we've we've seen that kind of thing before. This is yeah. particularly no creepy, though. I think I think I was, uh, and it, it could just be because we had a little bit of a refresher because I was getting really bored with the hell hall, the, <laughs> the hell dreams from before. But this yeah. one seemed actually kind of kind of strikingly creepy. Yeah. yeah. Can I read? Can I read a part here from one of the first people he meets? Yeah. Well, I want to say yeah, like you said, Hopper, uh, Hopper, who died in the first book, a wolf, right. uh, is talking to him, right, and and warning him, "This is dangerous. This is dangerous." 
Yeah. And then? Yeah. Uh, uh, he, as he came as he came on one of those crossing halls, he skidded to a halt. A man stood there, blinking at him uncertainly, in a strangely cut coat and breeches, the coat flaring over his hips as the bottoms of the breeches flared over his boots. Both were bright yellow, and his boots were only a little paler. First of all, that outfit sounds amazing. It sounds like something <laughs> from the 70s with his bell bottoms. This is more than I can stand, the man said to himself, not Perrin. He had an odd accent, quick and sharp. Not only do I dream of peasants now, but foreign peasants from those clothes. Be gone from my dreams, fellow. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they're both in this dream meeting so each this other. Is, yeah, this seems to be a guy. What are you doing in my guy? dream? What are you doing in my dream? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Which is this, is this the world of dreams? We don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. well, clearly it's, it, I mean... Despite the fact that parents travel a little bit, it's it's someone from a place that he's never seen because this is pretty mm-hmm. foreign for him. Yeah, so that's so this is what we're learning about this world of dreams. But then, ah, the, a really bad thing happens to that guy. I'll resist so that part. <laughs> <laughs> the strips of shadow around them writhe. One detached from the ceiling at one end, it drifted down to touch the strange man's head. It appeared to tangle in his hair. The man's eyes widened, and everything seemed to happen at once. The shadow jerked back into the ceiling, ten feet overhead, trailing something pale. Wet drops splattered Perrin's face. A bone-rattling shriek shattered the the air. (laughs) Frozen, Perrin stared at the bloody shape wearing the man's clothes, screaming and thrashing on the floor. Unbidden, his eyes rose to the pale thing like an empty sack that dangled from the ceiling. Part of it was already absorbed by the black strip, but he had no trouble recognizing a human skin, apparently whole and unbroken. Ah. Ah. Nasty. Holy shit, that's horrible. <laughs> so it just pulled the skin right off the guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what a nightmare. I'm literally a nightmare. Yeah. And uh, I assume that guy's not waking up. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to wonder, yeah, like what what is what is happening here? Is this like part of some sort of torture process? Is this like a dark friend who's being you know, I don't know. I, I think this is just the the type of thing that happens in dreams. Like uh, the dreams are da- bad and dangerous sometimes. Yeah. But th- I felt like this is Kind of zero to sixty in terms of horror, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, when's the last time in this series something this brutal has happened? Probably when all those people were skinned and hung on, hung from trees. Yeah, right. And that that happened off screen. Yeah, true. So wow. Yeah, I, I found it you know shocking. Yeah, I mean it's not as bad as a blood eagle, but you know. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay. I know what a blood eagle is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, then he runs into Lanfear. What? Right. We don't know that it's Lanfear. We just know it's a beautiful lady. The most beautiful lady he's ever seen, wearing all white and silver. <laughs> yeah, black hair, and black, black, hair eyes. black eyes. It is It is a really interesting thing, though, because Lanfear, it, it is Lanfear, and she sees him and is surprised to see him there, which makes me kind of wonder, like, where is Perrin exactly? Yeah. <laughs> is he in the... I think he's in the dream world. He is. And she says, you'll ruin things you could not begin to imagine. And then basically... Then, pieces out like she erases her room or something yeah yeah it almost erases him but he wakes up yeah i would love to see this like if they ever made a tv show or whatever i would love to see this this is it'd be super yeah cool. i was thinking that too this is so cinematic the the bit with the the horror bit before this and then yeah. this, this start mm-hmm. yeah it's it's very cinematic the way he writes it it's great yeah and uh and then hopper shows up and basically saves him from deletion by <laughs> yeah, land that's right or whoever this most beautiful woman he's ever seen is uh, by biting him in the neck, which I guess if you die in dreams, you wake up in that case. Or if it's a friendly wolf death. He wakes up and he doesn't have any bite marks on him. Mm-hmm. But he does have some blood on him from his, <laughs> right, yeah. from his from horror the, the experience. Poor, poor skin guy. Yeah. Okay, so how could how could you pull someone's skin off unbroken? 
uh, it's like, only in dreams, it, right? It's like um, like a jumpsuit, right? Like a mechanics outfit. You can't just pull it off unbroken. I'm so, just imagining those magic tricks where they take the table, they take the tablecloth <laughs> off, and everything stays. It, I have no idea. It's, they specify that the guy's clothes are still on his, his writhing body. Yeah, that's a good point. That that would be difficult. So to... where did the skin come from? It had to have opened, unless like the guy came completely out through the butthole. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you know there then, are other orifices. But then like the skin would have had to gone all the way down around his feet so that his feet could come up. The I, butthole, right? I, so I don't. I, I don't know that it's actually unbroken. It's it's kind of un. He said it specifically says unbroken. Oh yeah. Although maybe Perrin didn't get a very good look at it. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I, I was I was just imagining there were holes long like his crotch and feet. So like seams. Yeah, yeah. It's like tore up from the bottom. Mm-hmm. But but it could also be some sort of metaphorical thing. Like maybe they were actually tearing his soul out or something. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that could be it. So we cut to Rand, and he's being hunted by dogs. Yeah. Uh, which seems like sucks to be Rand right now, and he's ranting and crazy, and he fries a dog with a beam of light. Yeah, you know that's that's useful, I guess. Yeah, that's a pretty good response to dog attacks. Yeah. So that's what's up with Rand. He's just traveling out on his own. Yep. So chapter ten, secrets. It's a icon of a sunburst. So we're on uh, Team Egwene now. And Nynaeve. Yeah, yeah, and Nynaeve. We've got Egwene's point of view. So. Egwene, Nynaeve, Varen, Elaine, Matt, and Huron are heading to Tarvalon, because mm-hmm. they, they left at the end of the last book. Yep. And they're sort of traveling along, and Huron smells trouble before it gets to them. And Matt is, uh, they're carrying him on a litter, because he's comatose. And they, the trouble that they run into is White Cloaks. A patrol of White Cloaks, right inside of Tarvalon. Yeah, these white cloaks keep turning up in really inconvenient places. Yeah. They're, this, like, everywhere right now. These guys are awful. Like, who, who pays their bills? They're not accomplishing anything. <laughs> yeah. Just walking around being jerks. And as Varen starts to talk their way past, which seems to be working, but then Egwene <gasps> just starts to light them up with the one power. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's getting a little trigger-happy with her magic. Yeah, she doesn't kill them, but she starts making explosions around them and scares the crap out of all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Varen says, why did you do that? Now they're all going to go tell stories about how they were attacked by Aes Sedai. Yeah, yeah. Ever, since, ever since her chaining, she's been a little trigger happy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it's an interesting change in her character. I kind of like it, actually. And we get something important that happens as well. Nynaeve jerks her braid. As she does. <laughs> yes, yeah, she starts she. doing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting the count now. Yeah. We only had two in this chapter, but I predict many, many more. <laughs> right, yeah. Two braid tugs. Per two chapter. Two braid tugs. Yeah, right. <laughs> per chapter. Per page. Yeah, t- t- Varen's got a pretty tough job going here. She's trying to, like, corral these people who are, you know, going a little crazy. Yeah, they are. I mean, they've been through a lot. Yeah. It was actually one of my favorite parts of the last book, when when they're trying to sneak out of Falm, and, and Gwen just, just <laughs> opens fire on the first group of soldiers. Like, literally fire, right? Like, yeah. She opens the ground and fire it's comes like, out or something. Guys. Yeah. Like, lava attack or something. But uh, Varen chews them out because the Aes Sedai... I don't think we've really gone into this yet, but the Aes Sedai are not supposed to use the one power as a weapon. In fact, no. it's one of their oaths. Yeah. Right. And they and if these, if the, the three of them were had taken the oath, they wouldn't actually have been able to do this, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and Egwene only knows how to do a lot of these things because she was trained as a, a murder weapon by the Sanchan. Yeah. yeah she, that's, she was made that way. It puts her in a, a very different 
state of mind or, or a very different approach from most of the novices in the tower. Can I say this is hilarious? Because there's this one white cloak. It's Dane Bornhold, whose dad mm-hmm. died. And yeah. he is trying so hard to make himself such a badass. And he has this whole <laughs> thing in his head, this whole revenge fantasy. And they're just like, whatever. Yeah, he's like, just... go ahead, kill me, kill you. You killed my father. That I said I ignored him. <laughs> yeah, they're just talking to each <laughs> other. Now we're good. And they just yeah. ride away. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, my name's Dane Bornhold. You killed my father. And he runs off. <laughs> I'm going to kill you, too. I will make you fear my name. <laughs> they're like, okay, yeah. okay, can you just, yeah, yeah it's yeah. fine, go. I think yeah. it's pretty clear that Robert Jordan does not like the White Cloaks, because yeah. they're all assholes, and they're kind of pathetic at the same time. Well, it's yeah. pretty hilarious, too. He's like, I'll see you witches burn. My father died at fall, blah, 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 I'll see you dead. Impetuous children bear inside, almost as bad as boys for letting your mouths run away with you. Go with the light, my son, she told the White Cloak. <laughs> it was <laughs> such like... a great, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, bless your heart. Yeah, yeah bless, bless your heart. heart. Yeah. Go with the light. <laughs> But uh, after this encounter, they do reach Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. So chapter 11, Tarvalon. <laughs> we get a new map. Can I... Get a map. We get a map. Can we, can we talk about this map? <laughs> you know, I didn't... Until you mentioned that, I did not see it. I, I really didn't see it until you, until you I did not at all. That. In fact, I had wondered why... North was the compass wasn't pointing due north; it was pointing off to the side. And, and now I know it's why. never clear where anything is down there. <laughs> so we've got all the trees off to the sides. Oh yeah, we've got the Just little the, the shrubbery, circular... the hedges, the <laughs> exactly. We've got the little um, circular whatever that is. North Harbor. Yeah, the that's North, North Harbor. Harbor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right that's just the, the you know that's, that's where you you start when you're coming into Tarbell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know what to do with South Harbor. Yeah, I know. I was, I was wondering about that. that it, it could be well. that Robert Jordan was just a little confused. That's where I heard from were. No, his editor was like, okay, that that looks a little suggestive. And he's like, ah, put another clit on there. No one will know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, feel like we need to describe to our listeners what we're talking about. Okay, yes, this is a, a Yonic map. Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty... Uh, like it's it, it, it looks so explicitly like a vagina. <laughs> I'm astounded that neither Jeff nor I realized until Alice pointed no. it out. Yeah, but that, it did it not out, occur to yeah. me. Absolutely. <laughs> but as soon as, as soon as you said, look at this map, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Nice work on that one. <laughs> Robert Jordan, I guess. <laughs> You snuck a <laughs> vagina picture into your book. Because they're lady wizards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> so, the, the icon is the Flame of Tarvalon. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not the most important icon in this chapter, apparently. <laughs> no, indeed. <laughs> so, they, they head through the town of Di- Diarian. The, the town of Diarian, which is full of soldiers because the White Cloaks have been riding around harassing them. But uh, the people there don't seem to really care. I guess they're used to being harassed. So I have a question for you. So mm-hmm. we've we've uh, we've seen we haven't seen many of these like satellite towns. But now that we're looking at the map, there's a bunch of them. So the is it a good thing or a bad thing to live in a Tarvalon satellite village? Because as they just mentioned, these things get destroyed like constantly, right? They, they do, yeah. But the but at the same time, every single time the ice that I come back and rebuild them, I guess. Well, it's, Tarvalon's a big city, so this is like a, like the port of a big city. Sure. So it's good. There's a lot of money going back and forth. It's, there's jobs. It's, it's a good place to live, I think. So would you want to live in one of the Tarvalon border cities? 
I mean, yeah, right? Because, like, I mean, assuming that I didn't hate the Tarvalon witches. Right, yeah, which, which is what I was thinking. It's like, there's probably a lot of prejudice that prevents people from doing a, this. There's a big business. If there's ever, like, fighting, then they've got an army, and they have an army of wizards. And the Tar- Tarvalon seems to have, essentially, unlimited money, as far as we can tell, right? Right, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, that could be really lucrative, being a trader in a yeah. border town. Yeah, it seems like a it seems like a good place to be. It It, it has always struck me as kind of like a university. Yeah. You know, and, the, and these people are all people, the sort of the... The townies? Yeah, the townies. The people that yeah. live around the university and they they deal with the clients of the university and they're the, they're just add-ons to the university, which yeah. is not a bad place to be. Yeah. Because universities are very stable uh, and they tend to be well-run. But what, ha- what happens to you when the town gets burned down? Like Because it, 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 it happened as recently as 20 years ago, right? Yeah, like every time there's a war. But that happened in Kyrian too. Remember? Oh, that's true. Like it, this is just a world where towns get burned down from time to time. Yeah, at least if yeah. you're here, you got a bunch of like wizard yeah. knights or and you. wizards who heal you, right? Yeah, like true. you know, you <laughs> you cut your finger chopping some onions or something, and just run across the bridge and grab somebody with an ageless face. <laughs> like, hey, it probably work, right? Yeah, that's a good point. So as they, long as you don't anchor them. That's right. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> angering an Aes Sedai is like... You know, <laughs> Sticking your dick in a beehive. <laughs> or fisting a rabbit bull or something. I don't know. <laughs> Why not both? Yeah. Why not both? And uh, at this point, Huron bails. Which is... That's kind of sad. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Huron's... He's, Huron's he's like a regular dude. Yeah, and he's been like sticking it out. Like... <laughs> He's the Krillin, right? Like, he's, he's surrounded by all these people with, like, magic powers and stuff, and he's just, like, doing, going along. The who? Oh, it's a Dragon Ball Z reference. You can edit that out. Never mind. <laughs> he's, no, like, the, the, the... It's okay. I'm sure yeah. you humans enjoy your Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah, so in in Dragon Ball Z, there's all these super-powered magical characters, and Krillin's just, like, this average dude who's hanging out with them. So it's, like, the same kind of deal. There's, yeah. there's often one of these just, like, average Joes who's hanging out and just, like, sticking it out, you know? But yeah. he's got a magic nose. He's a sniffer. That's yeah, a good point. Yeah, he he's not imagine. not quite average. No, he's very useful. I, I was sad to see him go as well. Yeah, yeah. But they do. They head through Tarvalon, and Tarvalon is is awesome. I love the way he describes this. Mm-hmm. Like every, it's all built by the Ogier, so the buildings are all different, and they all look like something special, and and uh, it's wonderful. It's like a fantasy city, you know. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure it's it's really beautiful to wander through, you know. Yeah. All these people coming from all over, different clothes, everybody looks different. It's really cool. Yeah. So that's that's another reason why we want to live in this town. Is yeah. You get to see all this cool stuff. You know, yeah. It's got culture. <laughs> True. And we learned from the guards that the White Cloaks are not just in the surrounding areas. They are entering the towns. They were in uh, the market in, I think it was Dagain, across, this, across the river or something. Mm-hmm. So that's... Pretty concerning that yeah. the White Cloaks are getting that close. Because mm-hmm. theoretically, if they're peaceful, they can just ride in, right? Like anybody rides in. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not, right? I mean, like, the White Cloaks are, they're just assholes. Mm. So they, we finally get to the tower, and uh, Matt is immediately spirited away, which is good. Yes. Yeah. On his last legs. <laughs> yeah, he really needs some healing. Yeah. Not doing great. And uh, there's this whole bit where Viren makes sure that Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine are not allowed to talk. Uh, but they're not allowed to like explain themselves or anything because they're they're not at fault here, right? Right. They're led out of the tower by a Black Aja evil person, which mm-hmm. is we don't know if that if Leandrin's still around, right? Yeah, we don't know yet. Yeah. she's still alive. But they're sure. the Sherium comes the the mistress of novices and and puts them in punishment zone for being runaways. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're confined to their rooms and they're not allowed to talk. 
and they're they've like some accepted put in charge of them. Which I honestly half expected Egwene to start blowing these people up. Because <laughs> her whole thing is that she will not be caged again, right? That's a good point, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, if they, if they, they, apparently it was on the table that she might end up in the cell. And if that had been the case, things might have gone real south real fast. Yeah, yeah right? But she, luckily they, yeah. like, put her in a room. And we get Nynaeve jer- jerk, braid jerking up to four. Mm-hmm. Four oh, mentions right. in one chapter. Nice. <laughs> and the, uh... Yeah, they're they're put in the charge of these accepted, which is the rank above novice, and the accepted are kind of mean to them, and they're all given names, which I didn't write down, but I'm sure they'll show up. So again. it was actually just one of the accepted was mean to them, and it was Fowlane who was talking about Wilders, quote unquote, which is clearly just the uh, Aes Sedai version of Mudbloods, right? I mean, like mm-hmm. he's like, oh, Wilders, people yeah. who like you know. So although not actually because they have powers. So do Mudbloods. Oh, that's true. Fair enough. Yeah, not not muggles, mudbloods. So, so so and and they also mention that she's likely to become a red aja, thus confirming once again <laughs> yeah. that the red aja is basically the Slytherin of Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the yeah. jerks that everybody hates. Yeah, and they're racist. That gets Wilders. Mm-hmm. Although these books were written before Harry Potter. What? So no, no there's no so. time before Harry Potter. I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure Robert Jordan based basis on Harry Potter. Yeah, <laughs> I think we'll have to fact check that later. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so they, they're shown to their cells. So chapter 12, the Amarlin Seat, another icon of the Flame of Tarvalon. We get a nice Swan Shanche chapter. Mm-hmm. Hooray, I like her. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's cool. She, she, between she and Moiraine, they've been running this show for 20 years, basically, right? Yeah, and Swan is the Amarlin Seat, the head of the Aes Sedai. I like her earthy fisher fisherwoman background when she <laughs> says things like, and burn the thieving fisher bird. <laughs> yeah, like she, she constantly makes little fishing references. It's yeah. a really nice character. Yeah, right? that's, I mean, how long has it been since she was actually a fisherwoman? A hundred years? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. a really long time. But the, uh, no, less, the less than 20 years, because they were novices when uh, they heard that prophecy That's 20 true. years ago. You can take the fisherwoman out of Amador? Tear. Out of, out of Tear. The fingers of the dragon. <laughs> yeah, you can take the fisherwoman out of the fingers of the dragon, but you can't take the fingers of the dragon out of the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, hold on. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Varian basically recaps the, last, the end of the last book for us, which is nice. Yeah, you know. yeah she comes yeah. in, and we get a little history of Swan Sanchi, too. She, you know, she's a fisherwoman and stuff. And she has simple furniture because that is a sign of virtue. Right. Yeah. But yeah, Varen recaps for her, gets her up to speed. Uh, they briefly consider letting Matt die. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I thought that was really like, that was an interesting, subtle reminder that the Aes Sedai aren't necessarily a benevolent force. Yeah. yeah. Like they're, you know, and they're not the good guys necessarily. They just, they have their plans and they're trying to make them. And it, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, an offhand decision. Hmm, we could let him die and then we could, yeah, you know, then, give the, the, then the horn would be freed up because now it's locked to him. Yeah. Then we can give it to one of our uh, warders and, and do whatever we want with it. That is definitely something to consider though. I mean, it's not just like an evil thing. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. The, the horn is very important. We know it's important for the last battle. We know it's really powerful. We know that Matt is a, Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Thank you. But it's not like a it's not like a, this point a moral quandary for them. They're like, eh, you know, they they have no problem with killing Matt to gain sure. control of the horn. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And uh, also, Varen tries to give Swan some information about the Shanchun, but she doesn't even care. She's like, are they are they are they gone? Then they're not our yeah, problem right. anymore. They're, they're not right here, so we're not going to deal with them right now. Or as she puts it, something like. Better to worry about the 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 minnows and the the, the, the deep sea <laughs> rather than the white the lionfish out in the sea of storms. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, some fish, some fish reverence. Uh, 
Yeah, and, and it, uh, we get more information about uh, Rand's Tavren powers just, like, shuffling the board around, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're trying to manipulate him, but it's, it's Tavren. He's, he's out of control. Yeah. Okay, and that's, uh, that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. So, that's it for this episode of The Dragon Reread. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 13 through 21 of The Dragon Reborn. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com or uh, come chat with us on Facebook. Please share us with anybody you'll think will like this. Uh, please give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. Please like us in real life. We're super likable. Yeah. Some of us. <laughs> <laughs> Some more than others. Until next time. The, the light illumine you. you.